Well, hey, we were in this series that we started last, basically at the end of last year. We did a Christmas series around the first few chapters of Matthew, and then we jumped officially into it in January. We've been going through this, this gospel, and this gospel of Matthew is so much more than just a book. Um, it's, it's, it's Matthew's story, and it's the story of a guy who finds out what this whole world is supposed to be about, what life is about. It's about Jesus, and it's about his kingdom. And Matthew had been living for a different kingdom. Matthew had been living for the kingdom of Rome. He'd been living for the kingdom of self. And Jesus shows up to Matthew in the midst of his sinful activity and says, hey, come follow me. I've got a plan for your life. Matthew begins following Jesus and changes everything about him. And so what Matthew's doing in his gospel, he's writing all of these things down because he wants us to understand. He wants us to get how amazing it is to find and follow Jesus. And so that's where, that's, where we're, uh, that's where we've been at for the last several months. We're in Matthew chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn there. And uh, we're gonna be continuing our, our series today in Matthew chapter 11. Um, but we're gonna be talking about heroes. I love superheroes. Anybody love a good superhero movie? Superheroes? I love superheroes because they do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? They do the right thing. Superman, he always does the right thing. He makes the right moral decision. Batman, a little bit more conflicted of a character. Let's be honest. Batman has got some issues, but Batman always does the right thing. I love those, I love superheroes, but these guys are hard to relate to, right? It's hard to relate to superheroes by who never do the wrong thing as people who consistently do the wrong thing, right? It's, it's very difficult sometimes to relate to superheroes. That's why the biblical heroes are better. They're better. The biblical heroes have got issues, and the Bible lets us see their issues. There's, there's, the Bible's full of these people who, like, who are not perfect, who are far from perfect. Um, Joseph, he was arrogant. Uh, Moses had anger issues. David uh, sleeps with his friend's wife and then kills his friend. How many of you don't want to be friends with David? I'm just saying. Um, Peter tries to, tries to keep Jesus from going to the cross to start the church. Um, Paul literally tries killing the church as it's getting started. Every hero in the Bible not named Jesus has got some serious issues and a lot of humanity on display. Even the greatest hero, which is John the Baptist, all right, so the greatest hero is John the Baptist. Dude was a baller, okay? Guy was, he was amazing. You know, he's the guy who's, who's preaching out in the wilderness, you know, preaching repentance. He's got camel hair. He's kind of a crazy preacher guy. You know, he's eating locusts and honey, and people are getting saved. They're turning. They're repenting. They're, they're, they're entering into what God has for them. He was amazing, but he was not perfect. And our next passage in Matthew shows us how not perfect he was, and it has everything to do with a weakness uh, that he had um, after a moment he had experienced some disappointment. All right, so today I want to talk about disappointed and doubting. Disappointed and doubting. How many of you have ever been disappointed? Raise your hand across this place if you've ever been disappointed, okay? Few of us. All of us. All of us. One of my favorite uh, TV shows growing up was a TV show called A-Team. Anybody remember A-Team? Anybody guys remember that? They, they were, 
There's never been a TV show with more shooting with nobody ever getting shot than the A-Team. If you go back and watch it, no one ever gets shot. I love the, when the, you know, the cars would go up on the ramp and always do that thing right there. The car, anyways, the tire, it's just amazing. It was, I love that show so much that when I first started learning how to play the piano, I learned the A-Team theme song. So anyways, that's why I knew it. That's why I was on memory. But I, one, of the, one of the characters from A-Team, Hannibal, has a famous saying. He says, I love it when a plan comes together. You guys know this, right? Isn't it amazing when a plan comes together? When you get something worked out and you get it all figured out, like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to go there. and It's going to be amazing. And then it actually is. It actually goes how you plan. And then, and then how many of you know it's not exciting when you have this great plan and it doesn't come together? It's really disappointing, isn't it? It's disappointing. Like, let's say you pull up to Andy's <laughs> and you want to get yourself a pumpkin pie concrete, which you've, if you've never tried, let me just be a friend to you right now. God's gift, pumpkin pie concrete. You pull up to Andy's, you wait the customary hour in line. <laughs> and you pull up, you pull up to the window, you're like, I'm gonna take a pumpkin pie concrete. And they tell you, unfortunately, we are out of pumpkin pie. No! Disappointing. Or like, let's say you, you got on social media and you like, you had this amazing post, you just thought it was gonna, it was just gonna kill. Like, people are gonna love it, it's gonna hit hard. People are gonna be like, I this is amazing, it's the best post ever. You post it, two days later you go check on it, four likes. Four likes. And it's your mom, your grandmother, your spouse, and you. <laughs> Disappointing. Or let's say your team wins the Super Bowl. Your team wins the Super Bowl. Yes, your team wins the Super Bowl. And they start off the next year, and you're like, this is gonna be amazing. This is gonna be incredible. And they're playing the lowly lions from Detroit. Surely, surely it's gonna be light work. <laughs> and they lose. It's disappointing, right? It's disappointment. Um, disappointment. It's disappointing, isn't it? But there's real disappointment that we experience as well. Maybe you, you were really praying for a house. You didn't get it. Maybe you were praying for, looking forward to a promotion, and they gave it to somebody else. Or you got a diagnosis from the doctor that was far from what you thought it was going to be. It was very disappointing. Relationship didn't work out how you thought it was going to work out. Disappointing. Friendships, disappointing. The problem with disappointments is that they're so disappointing, right? They're so disappointing. And, and it's especially bad when they're personal, right? Well, it's like when it's like, I thought you were going to be this, and you ended up being like that. I was really counting on you to be here, and you were way over there. I was, I was excited about this, and now I'm not, and now I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. It's disappointing. And, and the reality is we're all going to experience disappointment, but if we don't handle our disappointments well, it can be really dangerous. And that's what I want to talk about today, because that's what our next passage talks about today. Because disappointment can lead to doubt. 
And then once doubt settles in, it fractures relationship, doesn't it? What is every relationship based on? Trust. Trust. So once you lose trust, you start doubting. And once you start doubting, the relationship starts to separate. The devil wants to do this in every relationship that you have. And he also wants to do this in your relationship with God. And and that's exactly what happens with John the Baptist, the greatest, the greatest. And I want to look at this because his disappointments got dangerous. And so if you've ever been disappointed in your life, you're going to you're going to enjoy this next passage of scripture. It's going to speak right to you. And if you ever if you're going through a disappointment right now, this is going to speak to you. If you know someone who was going through a disappointment, this can be an encouragement because all of us are going to go through disappointments. The question is, how do we deal with them because they can be dangerous if we're not careful. Matthew chapter 11. This is a great passage of scripture. The greatest goes through the worst. Matthew chapter 11, if you're ready to jump in, say, I am. am. All right, verse one. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John, who was in prison, paused for a moment, who is he talking about? He's talking about John the Baptist. John the baptizer. He's the second cousin of Jesus. And his purpose from the from the moment before he was born, but from before he was born, was to point people to Jesus. You can look at it in Luke chapter one, talks about this. Matthew chapter three, Matthew actually breaks this down. Matthew chapter three, verse three. This is the one who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So John the Baptist is a prophet who has prophecies prophesied about him. I mean, he's a... He's a dog, all right? He's a dog. I mean, he's, he's a baller. He's got, he's, got, he's got a place. He's a hero. He's a hero before he even is born. God has said, listen, I'm gonna use you to point the way for the Messiah, for the Savior, who's gonna come and change everything. And, and there's other verses that talk about how great John goes about doing this. He's baptizing people. He's, people are like, are you the Messiah? He's like, no, it's not me. I'm going to point you to the one who it is. And in John 3, he tells us it's Jesus, and he gives the, the famous line in verse 30 that says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Hero stuff. John the Baptist is a hero. He understands where, where his place is. He understands what his purpose is. His purpose is to point people to Jesus, to the Messiah, and then he, he finds himself in prison, but he hears about the Messiah while he's in prison, doing exactly what the Messiah said he was going to do, Matthew chapter 11, when John had heard about the deeds of the Messiah. Okay, what is the Messiah? What was the Messiah supposed to bring? The Messiah was supposed to bring hope for the hopeless. He was supposed to preach good news to the poor. He was supposed to heal the sick. He was supposed to raise the dead. And that's what the Messiah was supposed to do. And so he's hearing about the Messiah, and yet John's got question. Now, here's what's interesting. Watch this. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, think about this for a moment. Now, John had spent the early part of his ministry being like, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God, he must increase, I must decrease. He has been pointing people to Jesus. He's been telling people about Jesus, but now he finds himself doubting Jesus. He finds himself doubting Jesus. Why? Because John got disappointed. 
John got disappointed. Why did he get disappointed? Well, because where is John currently? He's in prison. And one of the things that the Messiah was supposed to do was to set the captives free, right? So he's waiting. He's waiting for this Messiah to set him free. He's like, I mean, Jesus, like, I remember when I was like, I did all that, like, behold the Lamb of God stuff. And remember when I baptized you and everything? And like, I was telling everybody, it's not me, it's, it's you. And, and that I must decrease and you must increase. Jesus, where are you? Where are you now? Because right now, I am in prison. Right now, I'm stuck. And this situation that I've found myself in, this reality has got me questioning my theology. It's a place that all of us can find ourselves in. And so he sends his disciples to go to Jesus, and Jesus responds. Look at this in verse four. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, don't worry about it. It's me. It's me. I'm doing it. I'm doing exactly what I said I would do. And then he throws a little bit of a stinger, a little bit of a truth bomb in there. And he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, the ESV is a little bit clearer. It says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. How many of you know that when someone tells you don't be offended, it's usually pretty offensive, <laughs> right? Jesus is offending John here. He's speaking truth. I, I, love, I, love, uh, I love having friends that will speak truth to me. Truth friends are true friends. And Jesus is speaking truth to John right here. He's, call, he's like, hey, listen, man. Listen, don't lose your faith over what I haven't done for you yet. That's what he's saying. He's like, you might find yourself in prison, but don't stumble. You keep your faith strong. You haven't seen the answer to prayer yet. That doesn't mean you're not gonna see it. That doesn't mean I'm not working. That doesn't mean I'm not with you. It doesn't mean I don't have a plan for you. He says, don't be offended, John. Verse seven, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? So what he's doing, he's like, hey, listen, what did you guys, when you went out and saw John preaching out in the middle of nowhere, what did you go out to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Nope. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, the dude was wearing camel hair, eating honey and locusts. No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet, yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about who is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. We just read that, right? So Jesus is quoting that. He's like, he is the one who is the forerunner, and he says this. He says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So John's disciples are leaving, and Jesus is like, hey, hey, hey. But as you guys are going, I want you to know he's the greatest. I still believe in John. He's doubting right now. He's a little disappointed right now. But I want you to know I still believe in John. And I believe there's three things this passage is teaching us. Number one, disappointment can be dangerous. Number two, disappointment is an opportunity. And number three, disappointment doesn't have to define you. It can be dangerous. 
It is an opportunity, and it doesn't have to define you. As we jump into this, I want you to turn and tell 15 people, don't let your doubt take you out. Come on, find 15 people. They say, don't let your doubt, don't let your doubt take you out. Number one, disappointment can be dangerous. It's dangerous. Disappointment is a lot like having a box of Lamar's donuts on the kitchen counter in the house to yourself. <laughs> How many know it's not going to end well? <laughs> it's going to end in a sugar coma. Disappointment is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because it can cause us to doubt, which will cause us to lose trust, which will cause us to separate from our relationship with God. That's what the enemy wants to do. I just, want, I just want us to, to recognize this. The enemy wants you to be disappointed, discouraged, and then doubting. Because then, oh man, then he can wreak havoc on your life. Then he can bring all kinds of false narratives and lies into your life. That's how he works. That's what he does. He wants to speak lies into your life. That's what he's been doing since the beginning. And once, you, once your faith becomes weak and you start separating, all of a sudden, you're open to the enemy's attacks. What does Jesus say about the enemy? He is a liar and he is the father of lies. So what he wants to do in your life is he wants to, he wants to bring deceit. He wants to bring discord. He wants to bring doubt and discouragement through disappointment. And ultimately, what he wants to do is cause us to miss out on our purpose. Your disappointment can cause you to miss out on your purpose. What is John's purpose? To point people to Jesus, right? He's the one who was sent. Literally, he's been prophesied about by prophets. And his, his whole purpose is to point people to Jesus. What is he? He had one job. He had one job. And what is he not doing? His job. He's because he was disappointed and he was discouraged and he started doubting and now he is missing out. The same is true for you and I. The devil wants to take a disappointment in your life, cause you to start to be discouraged and to lead you to doubt and to keep you from all that God has for you. That's what he has. That's what he wants to do. Disappointment with a friend. Disappointment with a boss. Disappointment with a small group. Disappointment with your church. Come on, somebody. The coffee was too strong. Coffee wasn't strong enough. They didn't even have decaf. They called this place a church. Worship was too long. Worship wasn't long enough. I'm disappointed. Pastor was too funny. Pastor wasn't funny enough. I'm disappointed. It, it, it happens. We get disappointed. And the enemy wants to allow those disappointments to lead us to doubt, which will lead us to separation and discouragement. And ultimately, he'll be able to, to wreck our faith. None of, none of those little things really matter. Your faith is what matters. 
And so that's what he's after. That's why it's important to understand when you start getting disappointed, you gotta label it. You gotta be like, I'm, I'm disappointed right now. Where is that coming from? Is that from God? No, no, that's not from God. God doesn't want you to be disappointed. And we're gonna talk about this here in a second. But you need to label and say, this is, a, this is an attack from the enemy and I'm not gonna allow it to lead me to discouragement and doubt. Your disappointment can also cause others to miss out on their purpose. So John's affected, but now who else is affected? John's disciples, who he is sending to go to Jesus, right? He sends his disciples to Jesus, and so now all of a sudden, he's, be- he's believing a lie, and he's getting his disciples to believe a lie. Here's the reality. The devil wants to take you out, but he's not just content with you. He wants your spouse, and he wants your family, and he wants your small group, and he wants your community. He's, he's, he's after more. He'll start with you, but the doubt and the disappointment and the discouragement that you have embraced will affect other people. That's just the way that it works. You're, and so John's disciples, now they're missing out on their purpose. Most importantly, your disappointment can lead you away from the Savior. In a moment of doubt, John loses the closeness he once had with Jesus. His heart has gotten cold. His hope is a little bit lessened. And this is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us, he wants us to look away from the Savior and start look to functional saviors. So he's going to use a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of discouragement to get you to look to a functional savior, not the savior. You know what I'm talking about when I say functional savior? It could be things that are good but not best. could be good things, but you looked at them as God things, but they're not God. Or it could be sin itself, some type of sinful activity, some type of sinful uh, engagement that you're involved in. And all of a sudden, you're looking to that thing to try to give you satisfaction that it was never meant to give you. Only God can fill the soul. And so your disappointment, if not careful, can lead you away. Disappointment is dangerous, but disappointment can be an opportunity. It can be an opportunity. Listen, disappointments are gonna happen. Come on, tell someone next to you, they're gonna happen. Come on, tell someone they're gonna happen. But how do you deal with them is the question. John gets something right here because he goes to Jesus. Through his disciples, even though he's spreading his doubt, he at least sends them to Jesus. I wanna encourage you that that's, that's where your disappointments can be an opportunity, when you bring them to Jesus. When you carry them by yourself, when you, just, when you, when you, when you spread them around just with your friends, then your disappointment's actually working against you and the enemy is definitely having his way with you. But when you bring your disappointments to Jesus, they can be an opportunity for you to grow closer to Jesus. They can be an opportunity for you to learn more about Jesus and his plan for your life and what he's trying to do in you. We need to ask ourselves, Jesus, what are you doing here? Because I'm disappointed. I wanted that, but now I've got this. What are you doing here? Because I know that you're good and I, and I know that you're in control. So what are you doing here? 
What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do inside of me? I know you're in control, and so I'm not going to let the absence of what you're not doing cause me to miss out on what you are doing. Come on, somebody. We got to get ourselves there. We got to give ourselves there. Let me just say this, and we've talked about this. We talk about it a lot and think it's important. That's why it's, it's very critical to our faith to regularly recount the blessings of God. God, you've been faithful here. You've been faithful here. You've been faithful here. You've been faithful here. I want to be aware of what you are doing constantly so that I don't miss out on what you are doing. I want to remind myself so I don't, I don't miss it when you show up and, and have something else for me. This is what the Apostle Paul did over and over again. The dude's in prison. The dude's beaten over and over again for his faith. I mean, I mean he's shipwrecked. He's, 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 he's gone from city to city. He's been persecuted, almost beaten to death. And yet he writes, I have learned the secret of being content. He says, whether I have a lot or I have a little, whether I'm in prison or whether I'm free, I've learned that my situation is not the most important thing about me, but my identity in Christ is the most important thing about me. That's why he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We use that verse for a lot of things. Do you know what that verse is? It's about being content. Look it up. It's right there. It's, it's understanding that what God has for you is enough. What God is doing in you is enough. And so what you have to say is, God, what do you want here? This isn't working, and I don't understand it. What do you, what do you, what do you have for me? Disappointment can be an opportunity for you to actually grow in your faith. It can be an opportunity for you to, to bless others through how your obedience and through your faith and through your hope in God. Disappointment is dangerous. Disappointment can be an opportunity, but disappointment does not have to define you. It doesn't have to define you. Everybody doubts sometimes, even the greatest, the greatest, John the Baptist. He's out there boldly preaching, saying, Jesus is the way. Here he is. Behold the Lamb of God. It's not me, it's him. I must decrease, he must increase. He's bold for God, but he has a moment of weakness. Everybody has a moment of weakness. Just because you have a moment of weakness, it doesn't mean that you don't have a place. All of us stumble. All of us make mistakes. Don't be shocked by your disappointment. Just don't let it define you. Don't let your disappointment define you. And for John the Baptist... I love what Jesus does in this moment. He single-handedly, in one interaction, he says, hey, don't you stumble. Don't you be offended by what I haven't done for you yet. So he calls him out, but then as, his, as John's disciples are leaving, what does he do? He lifts him up. He said, he's still my guy. He's still the greatest in my book. I don't know about you, but being greatest in the book of Jesus that's a, pretty good, that's a pretty good status right there. Jesus gives John the Baptist status, even though his faith doesn't deserve it. Mm, the grace of God. The grace of God. He, 
I don't know if you, uh, I'm into collecting points of any kind. Jimmy John's points, Lamar Stone's points, Starbucks points. Come on, somebody, yes. I'm a frequent flyer at Starbucks. But when we travel, I love to get airline points too. With any airline I can, I do all, I always fill out the little member number thing. I always, I want my points. Because if you can get status, do you know what you get? Upgrades. You can get upgrades. So although you may buy an economy ticket, you might get bumped up. <laughs> to premium economy. <laughs> I'm talking two inches of legroom, extra. You might even get bumped up to first class if you have enough status. That's exactly what Jesus is doing with John the Baptist. What, what, is, what does John deserve? His faith, his faith on, on the merits is weak. He's missed it. And he's missed it in a big way because his, his, his job is to point people to Jesus, and yet he's missed it. His disappointment has led to doubt, which has allowed the enemy basically to take him out. So his faith deserves distance. But what does grace give? Closeness. He's like, no, nah, he's still the greatest in my book. And then the very next verse, we'll get to this next week. We didn't read it today, but says, John's the greatest, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is even greater than John. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying there's a new kingdom that's coming. And there's a, it's a kingdom of grace. It's a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom of forgiveness. It's a kingdom of status when you don't deserve it. That's what God does. So your disappointment doesn't have to define you. you. You may be here today, and maybe your disappointment has caused you to say some things, to do some things, but it doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to define you. Jesus wants to speak a better word over your life. It's a word of grace. It's a word of forgiveness. It's a word you don't deserve. Praise God, none of us do. But he takes us, and he forgives us, and he welcomes us home, and he brings us in. It's the grace of God. Disappointment can be dangerous. It can be an opportunity as well to grow close to the Lord, and it does not have to define you.